Good morning, church. My name is Tim Power. I am a pastor of Modern Worship here, and I want to thank you for being here and uh, worshiping with us. Boy, I, you know, I'll be honest. I, there's a lot of times I'm very glad I don't wear makeup. Start with that. Um, and today was one of them. You know, I, I would have had streaks down my eyes because I just came undone a little bit in worship. It was powerful, wasn't it? Um, and, and if you've never had an experience like that, I highly recommend it. It's a really powerful thing. You know, people get undone about a lot of stuff. My wife used to watch this show called uh, Call the Midwife. Anybody ever seen that? Am I getting that name right? And it basically was a reason to just bawl for like an hour. And I didn't get it. I, I was just like, why would you want to just submit yourself to that? You just, and pretty much any masterpiece theater does that to my wife. Um, but, but so why would you want to do that? Well, we all come undone about something. And boy, uh, the, the savior of our, of our souls would be something to come undone about. Amen? That's, that's a good thing uh, to, to get together and have a holy cry about. So I'm not too ashamed of that, but I, I was glad I didn't have to get mascara out of my eyes this morning. We are in a sermon series right now called Power in Prayer. Uh, this is an awesome sermon series because we are talking, we have been talking for the last two weeks about a prayer that Moses prayed. Moses was this guy from the Old Testament, just a little bit of background. The Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt. They were enslaved for hundreds of years, and they were crying out to God, please, God, rescue us, set us free. And God did something interesting. He, he used this guy, Moses, who kind of had a stutter, who was not a great public speaker, and he used this guy to be the leader of the Hebrew people. And God does this strange thing sometimes where he uses people. I don't know why, but God wants to partner with people and he uses people to, to do things, and, and he even uses our prayers to accomplish things on the earth. And there's a powerful prayer in Exodus 33 where Moses actually prays for three things. He prays that God would show me your ways and that God would show me your presence. And that was the last two weeks we were talking about. And then today, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now, I want to start with the point, do you remember when you were writing essays in college and they would talk about you make the point at the beginning and then you're reinforcing the point and then say the point again at the end? Something like that, right? It's been a long time since I was in college. But I could be totally wrong. But I think it was something like that. So I'm going to give you the point right up front. And this is a point that you can take whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you call yourself a Christian, whether you call yourself anything, even if you're here and you're not even that interested in who Jesus is or what he taught, this is, this is a great takeaway. And here's the takeaway I'm going to give you. You become what you behold. Say that to somebody around you. You become what you behold. I did not make that up. I've heard it for a long time, but it's a very true thing. You become what you behold. That is free of charge, people. That is good. Actually, maybe it shouldn't be free of charge. Let's pass those plates around again. That's too good to be free. You become what you behold. Here's why, and that is a simple truth, but it's really, really important. Um, think about that as far as children who grow up. If you grow up in, in a loving household, where, where you're told you're loved and you're affirmed very often, you're probably going to create a household that is very similar to that. If you grow up in a household that is abusive and you see people acting in abusive ways, oftentimes, not always, some people can break the cycle, but oftentimes you become what you behold. If you see abusive behavior, you'll often find that that is what 
you do. You become what you behold. Does anybody remember uh, Channel 24 in St. Louis? Uh, it was Larry Rice ran, ran it. It was uh, a Christian station. It might still be around, but if there's not Channel 24 on Netflix, I don't see it. So Channel 24 was this Christian station. I just remember a commercial. It was a lot of cheesy commercials they would have, but this one was really good. Um, these kids were watching TV, and they just looked like zombies. Their, their eyes were glazed over, and they're just like, uh watching the TV, and then the garbage man comes around and says hi to the parents, hey, everybody, and brings a big pile of garbage, opens up the TV, and throws it inside the TV. You get the point, right? It's not real subtle, but, but it's the same idea that you become what you behold, okay? You become what you behold, and we're going to be talking about this in, in, in the, the context of what Moses was beholding in God and who he is and how we can apply this to our own lives. So I'm going to start out by looking at Exodus 33, and we're, we've been making our way through Exodus 33, just so you know what was happening. The uh, Hebrew people have been traveling in the wilderness for a long time. Now, God keeps showing himself. In fact, every time that God goes to meet with Moses, a pillar of, of fire basically goes and rests upon the tent of meeting. So they could actually see God. And not only that, all this amazing stuff is happening all around them. You know that in, it, at this time when they were wandering in the desert, going towards the promised land, that's the land where God promised that they would end up in. It was going to be this glorious place. While they were out there, they didn't have food. They're in the desert. What are they going to do? God gives them bread every day. Bread on the ground. And guess what they start doing? Complaining about the bread. Come on, people. It's bread from heaven every single day. And you can't even be happy about that. But we see this over and over. The Hebrew people keep complaining and keep forgetting the amazing things that God is doing for them. And so what ends up happening in, in, in chapter 33 is that God gets fed up. He's fed up. And he basically tells them, go into the promised land. I'm still giving you what I promised you, but I'm not going with you. And this is when Moses starts to pray. And he prays, God, I can't go without you. I need to know your ways if I'm going to lead your people. I need to, to see your presence, have it with me. And then he says this. We're going to pick this up in uh, verse 15. Moses replied, if you won't go yourself, don't make us leave here, because how will anyone know that we have your special approval, both I and your people, unless you go with us? Only that distinguishes me and your people from every other people on earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I'll do exactly what you've asked because you have my special approval. And I love this. This is, this is a great verse. And I know you by name. I think it's really important for somebody in this room to hear this today. God knows you by name. That God, the God of the universe, the God that created everything you see around you knows you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glorious presence. Now, this is the contemporary English version. Uh, a, another version would just say, show me your glory. It's the same word. It's the Hebrew word of kavod. Um, the Lord said, I'll make my goodness pass in front of you, and I'll proclaim before you the name, the Lord. I will be kind to whomever I wish to be kind, and I will have compassion to whomever I wish to be compassionate. But, the Lord said, you can't see my face because no one can see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me because you will stand beside the rock. Uh, here is a place near me where you will stand beside the rock and my glorious presence will pass by. 
I'll set you in a gap in the rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. This is some spooky stuff, isn't it? Um, and I'll take you, uh, I'll take away my hand, and you'll see my back, but my face won't be visible. That's a really interesting passage of scripture. So, so he says, let me see your glory, and God's like, you can't see my glory. You can't see my glory. If you saw my glory, it would kill you. It would kill you. And so what you can see, you can see the back of me. You can see me going this way. You can see the path of what, of, of where I've gone, okay? And here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. We see God's back all the time. All over, all over, whenever you're looking at the world, we see his glory all the time. And most of the time, we're seeing his back. We're seeing him moving away. I'm, I'm going to show you, uh, I, I really love looking at Hubble telescope images and uh, can, can we show, I've got a couple here that I want to show. Um, okay, unfortunately, we, 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 our, our, our uh, projector is not as bright today as it usually is. Has anybody seen this picture before? This is, this is well no, a well-known Hubble telescope picture called um, the Pillars of Creation. Okay, here, here's what's fascinating to me. See, uh, at the very top where it's the brightest, uh, there's these little finger-like objects. Um, at, the t at the very tip of each one of those is a star being born. That's why they call it the pillars of creation. Um, here, this is an amazing thing. From the very top to the very bottom of the longest pillar, that is six light years from top to bottom. Do you know what a light year is? So it's how, how long it takes for light to travel in a year, right, in, on, in, on Earth. So six light years from the top of that to the bottom of that. Um, this, 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 how far away is this from us? 600,000 light years away from us. Get, get some idea of the gravity of how big this is. And can we show the next one? Okay. Isn't that a bunch of pretty stars? Here's the most amazing thing about this. Those aren't stars. Each one of those is a galaxy. Each one of those, those, uh, bits of light is a galaxy with millions of stars, with millions of stars. When we were singing that song earlier, first time I heard that song, uh, uh, it, So Will I, and it says 100 billion galaxies, first time I heard that, I was like, oh, well, that's just, you know, Christians, you know, exaggerating again in, in worship songs. No, it's not. Look at this. And here's the most amazing thing. This is just a tiny, tiny fraction of the sky. Tiny of the tiny fraction of the sky, and we are seeing all of these galaxies filled with filled with millions and millions of stars. Do you feel small yet? Do you feel small? Okay, here's the amazing thing. And this is what I, if you don't take anything else home, you can take this home. The God that made all of that knows your name. The God that made all of that knows your name. This is the glory of God, okay? Wow, okay? That's, that's another way of defining glory, Wow. And the glory of God does this amazing thing. The glory of God can make you at once feel so small and yet so loved and so significant. Because the God who made all of this knows your name. The God who made all of this knows your name. Isn't that amazing? So, I, I have one question. And, and we can be interactive here. Why could no one see God's glory? Why could Moses, why would it kill him to see God's glory? Do you think that it was always that way? 
Why, why could, can human beings not see God's glory? Any ideas? The fall? Define the fall. Now, okay, so Dennis said, Adam and Eve could see God's glory. They were walking with him in the garden. Yeah. Sin. So sin. Okay, there is, uh, let, me, let me read this from Romans chapter 323. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I know, I know people, you know, kind of get a, a, a little annoyed when Christians talk about sin. Okay, but, but here's the thing. If you don't believe in sin, spend some time around a baby. And I'm serious about this. Anybody who has had kids, did you ever teach your, have to teach your kids to be selfish? Did you take them to a tutor to be like, my kid's just really not selfish enough? We just need to up that a little bit in their daily life. No. From the time we are born, we have this, this, this innate selfishness to put ourselves before everyone else, okay? Um, there, there's even there's a, a, a biologist uh, who wrote a book called The Selfish Gene, which actually, he's not a Christian. Uh, he's not even a theist. He doesn't believe in God. But he does say, yes, we are born to be selfish, uh, that, that genetically our, even our genes are selfish. So this is an innate thing, that we are born with this. Something has fallen short, and therefore we couldn't see God. Um, there's, a, there's this really interesting thing uh, in, in Hebrew worship. What they would do is, because of this idea that we cannot see God's holiness, there was a veil. That was, that was in the temple. There was a veil that was always covering uh, the holy of holies. So that place where God's holiness rested, the place where his greatest glory could be found, people couldn't go in there. People, there was a separation between God and man. Here is a really, really cool verse, though, that I think is, is, is just, I take it very powerfully. When, when Jesus died on the cross, we, we, always, we always kind of tend to think of, uh, put ourselves there where Jesus was, where he was on the cross and uh, our, ourselves on Calvary. We see, we see that happening. But something happened in the temple on that day. Does anybody remember what happened in the temple? I hear some people saying it. It says in the temple, remember that curtain that, that held everything back where we couldn't see God. It says that in Matthew 27, 51, it says this, look, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook, the rocks split. Here's what this is saying. It's saying that because Jesus Christ loved you so much, and Jesus Christ wanted you to be able to encounter his glory in a face-to-face -face way, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn. That veil, the fall, was healed suddenly so that we can have a face-to-face -face relationship with Jesus Christ, so that we can see God's glory in our everyday lives. So i got to ask you a question. Do you see God's glory? Do you see God's glory round about you? Because guess what? It is there. It is there, and for some reason, we all miss it way too often. We miss the glory of God as it sits right in front of us. And we can see it in a myriad of ways. We can see it when we look up at the stars at night. We are looking face to face with a God that knows our name. But so often, we get wrapped up in our lives. 
and we gaze at so many other things that we are not moved by the glory of God as it stares us right in the face. We're not moved by the glory of the God as we see it in our own children. We're not moved to the glory of God as we see it in each other's eyes. But it's there. It's there, and it can transform us. If we can behold the glory of God, guess what happens to us? We become what we behold. This could change our lives if we could get a hold of it. If we could look at the glory of God as it sits before us and understand what we're taking in on a day-by-day basis. And I think sometimes we just forget that the glory's all around us, that the glory of God is all around us. Um, I was in Kansas City this week, uh, actually last weekend. That's why I wasn't with all of you. Um, I was was taking a class at St. Paul's School of Theology, and I was sitting next to uh, a lady. She's a pastor. She's actually a pastor of three churches, and she has a full-time job. So talk about me feeling a little bit lazy. Um, she, she has a three-point charge, which means she goes to three small churches every single Sunday. And she was telling me she's eager to get home because she's the caretaker for her, uh, her daughter, who, who is uh, grown, but, but she has uh, a disability. And so she, she was like, I'm, I want to get home so I can relieve the folks that are taking care of my daughter. And I said, well, uh, tell me about your daughter. And she told me about her daughter, who is, who is 20 years old, she has a degenerative disease of, of um, basically connective tissue in her body. The connective tissue in her body is basically disintegrated. So, so she can't really move on her own. Um, and th- it's caused a host of other problems. She has gastrointestinal problems. Um, her stomach can't really digest food the way it should. She's always had trouble gaining weight. It hurts to eat. It hurts to eat. And so she said it's, she struggled even to get up to, she's almost six feet tall, and struggled to get to about 115 pounds, which is the most she's ever weighed. And, and so it's, life is a struggle, okay? Life is a struggle. And I was asking her, because we were talking about, well, who's going to preach at your churches? She told me, uh, this was so, so interesting, she said, actually, my daughter's going to preach. I was like, really? And she said, yes, yeah, she has the most powerful testimony, Tim. And I said, really? She, and she said, my daughter sees the glory of God in everything. And I was like, tell me about that. She said, well, she, she just, every day she gets up and she thanks God for another day to see his glory all around her. And I was just fascinated by that. You know, I woke up that morning, I slept in a hotel bed, and my neck was stiff, and I felt like I had a reason to complain. And talking to her about her daughter and how her daughter gets up every single day and thanks God for the glory that is a life that she can share another time with another person, that God loves her, that God knows her by name. And you know what I did after that? I thanked God for my back pain. I thanked God for every kink in my neck. I thank God and I said, God, thank you for the things that I don't always thank you for. Thank you for the glories that I don't even notice most of the time. And um, here's one thing I do. Uh, I'm going to invite our band up. Uh, I'm a musician, and and for for years I I led worship here until we figured out Nick was much better at it. Um, But so 
one of the things I do is I, I write songs, and, and I wrote a song. Um, I, I had actually started it before, but I was thinking about the fact that we worship God often when we get something from God, but we don't always worship God just for the glory that's all around us, just for the glory that, that we don't even, that we take for granted of every single day. And so I, I started trying to think about how can I thank God for the things I don't always thank God for? How can I thank God even just for the air that I breathe in? How can I thank God for the cold? I'll bet who was thanking God for the cold yesterday? Wasn't that great? <laughs> How can I thank God for the things that I don't always think of as the blessings, that I don't always see as the glory, but they are? And I got to thinking about the fact that, that you know what, um, the arms that I've got, someday these arms aren't going to work, whether it's because I pass away or because out of age or an accident or for some reason, my faculties will not function for all of eternity. Someday these will go away, but God's goodness is not based upon my faculties. God's glory is not based upon what I have or what I do not have. God is just good. God is just glorious. And I can thank him for all of those things. And even when all of those things go away, he's still going to be worthy of our praise. And if we can behold that, if we can behold that on a daily basis, it's going to transform who we are. It's going to transform how we live and how we love. And so uh, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, if you can sing along with this, we're going to have the words of this song up. Um, but I'm just going to ask that, that this be a meditation for us as, as, we, as we leave this place and we start to just take in the glory all around us.